The Israel Report with Rolene Marks. Well, here we go again. A brand new week, a brand new conversations, brand new developments. Joining us on the line now, our Israel correspondent, Rolene Marks. Rolene, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Great to always have you on board. Always great <laughs> to be here. And uh, as always, never a dull mm. moment in Israel. A lot to unpack today. Well, indeed. Let's start with uh, U.S. President uh, Biden on CNN commenting about Israel. Take us through what he had to offer or not. <laughs> so this was in a uh, an interview with CNN's Farid Zakaria last night. And he made some comments that are, are really reverberating across Israel. He was asked uh, about bilateral relations, and he said, you know, this is the most extreme government that uh, he has seen in Israel. And he said, you know, my political career goes all the way back to uh, to gold in my ears. So, you know, he, sure. he's emphasizing the stretch of his career. And he said that... Uh, you know, there are certain members of the government who are advocating for uh, more settlement anyway they they want to. And he said that's not helpful. Uh, you know, it's quite I- impeding any progress. Now, the United States, along with most of the world, including South Africa, adopt a, a two-state solution approach. This has to be a negotiated settlement between Israelis and Palestinians. Um, he also spoke about the Palestinians and he said they've lost credibility. He said they've lost credibility and they've lost control and he, he referenced last week's operation in Jenin. It's quite interesting that most of the news channels are not picking up on th- on this particular comment. But he said they've, they've lost their credibility and they've created the vacuum for, uh, the, for, for terror entities to come in. And it's important that we acknowledge that President Biden has said this. He also spoke about the possibility of normalization between Israel and the Saudis. He said that's going to take a long time. You know, don't expect it any time soon, but that the Saudis don't have uh, any issues with Israel. So basically, it's, it's optimistic. However, you know, don't hold your breath just yet. The Saudis have made any normalization on their part contingent on a Palestinian state, which, of course, we believe has to be negotiated. But uh, he was also asked when... The Prime Minister, Bibi Netanyahu, could be expected to, to be invited to the White House, and he dodged that uh, by saying, uh, you know, President Herzog will be coming soon. And just a reminder, President Herzog will be visiting the White House a little later this month. He'll also be addressing Congress. Now, of course, there have been responses in Israel to the President's comments. We've heard from Itamar Ben-Gavir and Betzalel Smotrich of uh, Otsma Yehudi, who, who essentially are the, the more extreme elements in the government talking about settlements that the President was in fact referring to. So Ben-Gavir says that, you know, we are not another star in the American flag and, and that while um, he, he values the bilateral relations with the United States, he says we won't compromise on a single outpost and a single hill anywhere. Uh, you know, these are comments that are not going to win him any kind of uh, favor, not here mm. in Israel and not around 
the world. I know there are many listening who completely disagree with me, but you know that is the accepted reality here. Betelov, Smotrich also weigh in saying, you know, basically we will build wherever we want, but uh, don't worry, I respect President Biden. So. Um, these are issues. Benny Gantz ha- has commented on this, saying that he's very concerned that the president, the prime minister, rather Prime Minister Netanyahu, is compromising our very, very important strategic relationship with the United States. This is our, our greatest ally to pander to uh, the extremists, and he named them. He said Yariv Levin, Simcha Rothman, Itamar Ben Gavir and uh, Betzalel Smotrich. Well, despite what's going on there earlier, and you mentioned something earlier on about uh, relationships with Saudi Arabia, hopefully we can chat about something regarding that towards the end of the program, time permitting, of course. Let's see how that goes. For now, the Day of Resilience is expected tomorrow. Why and what, are, and what, and what is expected, rather? So as we speak, mm. the Knesset is debating the possibility of overhauling the reasonableness law. Now, it's a law that's based actually on British law, which in most of our laws here are based on, on, on British law, uh, because uh, we were a mandate and, and the laws or Commonwealth laws actually uh, have, have worked in, in Israel. And the reasonableness clause basically uh, puts... The uh, anyone in the government, you know, subject to judicial mm-hmm. scrutiny. And if you remove that, you remove any judicial scrutiny from members of the government. Uh, case in point, we spoke about a couple of months ago, Arya Derry. The, the Supreme Court ruled he can't serve as a, a cabinet minister, he can't serve as a, a, a minister in the government because of these very, very controversial legal issues in the past with regards to finances and tax, um, which I think most people will agree that's pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are huge concerns that overruling the reasonableness clause which would take away judicial scrutiny, which would basically create an environment where politicians can get away with anything they want. Now, it's important that uh, we talk about the reasonableness clause because Israel, as I've mentioned before, does not have a constitution. Israel does not have, uh, you know, several seats of government. We only have the, the Knesset, and we only have our declaration of, uh, of independence. So we don't have that constitution which enshrines certain laws um, in, 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 into Israel. You know, things that pertain to religion and mm-hmm. minority rights and, uh, and uh, various other issues. So taking away the reasonableness clause, we, we do have very extreme elements of the the government is an issue of concern. So planned for tomorrow mm-hmm. are these massive protests, right. the day of resilience, which could see uh, uh, some strikes across the country, which would see mass protests planned for all the major cities across the countries. I know high-tech uh, companies have given their staff leave of absence to go protest without taking it from their, their leave. Uh, and companies are encouraging anyone who wants to go protest, uh, you know, to do so. That is their democratic uh, right to do so. 
and um, the police, I mean, I've just received this in now from our police chief, Kobe Shakta. He's meeting with his top commissioners, uh, and he says, you know, the police is not a political body, uh, and they've got to balance the line between upholding the right to, to protest and having zero violations, mm-hmm. I mean, zero tolerance for violations of uh, the law. And it's very clear to stress that on both sides, he says, any harm to symbols of power or violence against officers and damage to infrastructure, and also anyone who acts in a violent way against protesters. We have heard from um, doctors, especially ear, nose and throat specialists, appealing to the police not to use water cannons to disperse any uh, crowds or protesters. Uh, we have had one protester who's actually lost um, his his sight as a result of the force coming from water cannons. We've had the issue last week where motorists uh, ploughed into the protesters. Thank goodness nobody was seriously hurt. So, you know, there are all these issues to consider. So tomorrow we are expecting uh, possible protests across the country in all major cities. And as you mentioned, Rolene, Day of Resilience Part 2. No doubt we're going to be chatting about that tomorrow. Just very quickly. Part 2. Part 700. <laughs> part 700. Well, okay, part 2 as of today. Right, as, as of tomorrow. But anyway, let's see what transpires there, Rolene. Um, Israeli cabinet votes to save Palestinian authority. Why? Okay, so this is a fascinating question and very important. You know, uh, I, I think when we look at Israel and Israeli politics, we always have to look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for Israel, certainly, the bigger picture is ensuring that the Palestinian Authority have control over the Palestinian areas. It's Area A of the uh, the West Bank because failure to do so does create the power vacuum as... Um, uh, President Biden said that uh, allows for the uh, more extreme terrorist elements like Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and some of the other groups that we've seen uh, growing in the West Bank. It doesn't help that we have mainstream media, you know, thinking that these are heroic fighters mm-hmm. uh, without referencing the fact that they all have uh, terrorist uh, charters to their names and espouse the the murder and the killing of Jews. So the the cabinet voted yesterday to bolster the the Palestinian Authority with an objection from Itamar Ben Gavir. Uh, I don't think anybody's hugely surprised there, but right. the um, criteria were that the incitement stops, the pay to slay scheme stops, which is the payment of salaries of um, terrorists uh, and all their families and that they stop any kind of a terror activity against Israelis. This has been rejected by members of the Palestinian Authority, who incidentally, by the way, have announced they intend to sue Al Jazeera for unbalanced reporting uh, against uh, Al Jazeera journalists who criticize the Palestinian Authority, but they rejected Israel's... Um, Offer to right. Rolian, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon to give us uh, some background and news as to what's uh, transpiring in Israel right now. Rolian Marks, our correspondent from Israel.